With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your High Five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up and welcome into the Monday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek and greetings from the Oxnard Sports Performance Center here in Metairie as the Pelicans coming back unfortunately with a loss last night in Houston falling to the Rockets 117 to 109 they're back at home tomorrow early tip 6 30 p.m central time as they welcome in the Milwaukee Bucks we have a great show for you today we're going to stroll down memory lane a little bit with our guest today, and that is Sean Kelly, who is now the play-by-play voice of ESPN Radio, former voice of your New Orleans Pelicans, and actually the the OG of the Black and Blue Report, which is long ago, and now the Pelicans podcast. So I welcome in Sean right now, and Sean was a weird calling you the OG of the Black and Blue Report. This is kind of weird being on the opposite end here. There's been many things, Daniel, and hi, and it's great to be with you. <laughs> there are many things here lately that have made me feel old um and so to be called the old gangster or the original just kind of reinforces that but uh it's something that you and i worked hard on for a long time and and uh, it is i will admit a little weird or uh different to be on this end of the line (laughs) yeah no doubt about that it's weird actually interviewing you instead of actually doing these with you um for the first time but um i did want to talk about your gig a little bit this is your first year as far as full-time with ESPN Radio, you do college football, you do college basketball, NBA, NFL, and you'll eventually do MLB when the next season starts. Um, how has this journey been for you? You know, you've been with just one team uh, for a long time with the Pelicans. What's it been like covering so many teams, so many games, and more importantly, so many different sports? Um, it's been exhilarating. Uh, at the same time, it's also been a little off balance, too. I mean, after having kind of the same routine for nearly 15 years, this has been uh, quite a curveball coming my way. And so there's been a lot of um, new experiences, um, a lot of learning some new things and adjustments to be made. Uh, I think the biggest one was, frankly, back in October when the NBA season was really cranking up and I knew that I was in the thick of football and I wouldn't be on the NBA side until Christmas. So there was this kind of this continual feeling that I had to be somewhere or I had a bus to get to or a plane to meet up with. Um, and so those things were awkward uh, in a good way, though. What do you miss the most about doing basketball full time? Is it just the fact that being with one team and being on this journey with one team? Or is there something in particular that you're like, man, you know, at this point right now, I would be doing this, this and this. What do you, what do you miss the most about calling just basketball? 
Uh, well, I think I miss the just being in it, immersed in it on a daily basis. Um, you, there's nothing quite like being in a season and with a team every day. I mean, you you have a you have a tip of your tongue working, um, I guess, tool of of the league, and at the same time, you're also kind of chronicling the the day to day of a particular team, and so therefore, you're invested in that team. You have personal relationships with that team you feel you feel to be a member of that team and and that's really all I've known in my career dating back to even when I was coming out of college I was either associated with a college program uh, or an NBA team in this case so I miss that day-to-day interaction and I miss kind of again being kind of the storyteller of a particular team season so in that sense uh, that's that's been an adjustment Uh, at the same time though um, I get to now bounce around a little more and, and see and, and talk about more teams than ever before. So that's kind of new and thrilling at the same time. I was hoping you'd say you'd miss me the most, but I guess it's okay if you said all those things about your job too. So well, I'll let that slide, Sean. It, it's it, okay. It, it is the people. It, it, is, <laughs> it is the people, and it is you know working with you and, and John DeShazer and Jerry Valancourt and Joel Myers and David Wesley and all the people that you – that you're in it with for so long. And, and, and frankly, the head coaches too. Um, you know, this tragedy with, with Kobe Bryant and all those loss in the helicopter accident uh, prompted me to reach out to Byron Scott, who was my first head coach back when it was the New Orleans Hornets, uh, to still have a relationship with him. Um, and, and even Alvin Gentry and, and, and visiting with him over the last two days, you know, is as important as anything else. And, and as one thing that I was blessed with during my time with the New Orleans franchise, uh, and that goes for the Saints too, was was all these people that have had a, not only a big impact on my professional life but my personal life too. And so, therefore, and I'm leaving you know a hundred names off the list right now, but all those people I've grown to be friends with, I have relationships with, and and even the players, and and that's been evident here now that I'm going around the league in a new capacity is that. I see now a number of former Hornets slash Pelicans that I grew to have a relationship with, and we kind of seemingly pick up where we left off, and, and that's a lot of fun too. And that's, that's built because of time, obviously. You know, the longer you're in the league or around the league, the more of those relationships you have. So uh, in a way, I haven't lost that part of the, the, the journey, but, you know, the day-to-day with you and others – on that same team plane or in the, in the building or at the practice facility. Um, that's different. Now I kind of parachute in and, and, and then climb back out. And then I hope to see you again soon. That's kind of the, the new mode of operation. Yeah. We'll get to that in just a second. Well said, my friend uh, is obviously you were on the call for Pelicans rockets yesterday, and you will be on the call for Pelicans and bucks uh, tomorrow night. But before we get into that, I did want to ask you because you've been doing all these sports um, recently, and this is your first year full time with them. Do you have a favorite game yet? I know you've worked some great college football games between the Fiesta Bowl, which is the semifinals, and the in the Sugar Bowl here, um, and some other NFL games. Has there been a favorite game so far to call? Man, it's hard to pick. I think I think favorite game at the moment probably is the Fiesta Bowl. The, the national semifinal between Ohio State and Clemson was, was thrilling, and the atmosphere was outstanding. Um, and so if, as far as a game goes, that's probably the one that stands out most so far. Um, but here in this first year, I've, I've, I've now done games in places that were on a list 
you can call it a bucket list, whatever right. list, but you know, able to do a baseball game at, at Wrigley Field was was fantastic. Um, calling games at Ohio State uh, for college football. The same goes for obviously the, the Coliseum out in Los Angeles for USC. Um, being on that lead college football crew, we were in and out of some of the most venerable uh, stadiums in college football. You know, uh, going to Alabama. Uh, obviously, we had a couple of games at LSU, which I think is one of the top five. Uh, atmospheres in that sport um just even just even now recently with college basketball uh, as much as being a, a Missouri native uh and my disdain over the years for Kansas you still can't take away from the fact that Allen Fieldhouse is one of the best venues in all of college basketball and got to do a thrilling game there just seeming seemingly I guess about a week ago a little over a week ago so that that's exciting, and then then I have several upcoming that I'm looking for. I'll be at I'll be at Duke for the first time next week, um, and then of course it's always great to go to the NBA venues too. And and uh, and I and I miss seeing those folks around the league, the other broadcasters, and and I'll get some of that here uh, with more some more frequency coming up. No doubt about that. Uh, let's talk about yesterday's game just for a second. You were on the call for Pelicans and Rockets on ESPN Radio and. Sean, it looked like for most of the game, the Pelicans were in full control. Obviously, the Pelic the Houston Rockets lacked size yesterday without Clint Capella, but they were able to make it work. But talking with everyone else and kind of watching, it seemed like the Pelicans sort of shot themselves in the foot yesterday with all the turnovers. What did you take out of yesterday's game against Houston? It seemed like that those turnovers were not going to hurt them. I mean, e- even though they were piling up, the way they were shooting for most of the game, it was like, wow, I... They're offsetting these turnovers and the points that come from those turnovers, you know, by just flat out shooting Houston. And then in the fourth quarter, it, it just seemed to just stop. And uh, the ball stopped going towards Zion Williamson at, at times when, when he could have been key against the smaller lineup. And then just the inability to hit a three. And I, it's not like I didn't like the shots. It just, they just start, they just weren't falling. And then all those turnovers that we talked about, they then, of course, come back to bite you. So it did in the end you know, play a role in the game. And, and yes, I think New Orleans ought to be a little upset as to how they finished the ball game yesterday. I want to say they gave it to Houston. The Rockets did take it, you know, in some way. And, and of course, it didn't hurt the Rockets that James Harden kind of came back to life and, and he carried the load for him. Yeah, I know this was your first time seeing Zion Williamson live. I'm sure you've been watching from afar um, some of the Pelicans games that have been on locally and on national television. So, But seeing him live and calling him live, what did you take away from uh, Zion yesterday in his second career double-double? Uh, what have you seen from him that's impressed you the most? I think what, what impresses me the most is, is his ability to move. Um, when you look at him, you sit there and say, I don't know how a man of that size or that makeup, because there are big guys in the NBA, and there always have been, um, but he has a unique frame. And so his ability to get from A to B, and then sometimes, you know, airborne C to D and E, uh, it was pretty impressive. And I, I think I found myself as a broadcaster, and I think fans should be in this mindset as well. You, when he's on the floor, you constantly have to be ready for the unexpected because of his athletic ability. Um, I think he's still trying to find his way defensively, and the Rockets did take advantage of that at times. And just like so many young players that I've been around over the years, um, he still needs to learn some of the tricks. Um, you know, there's the, the little tug, the little hook, the little, you know, 
the little uh, efficient step that, that you don't have in your first 10, 20, even 40 games, but they'll be learned. And, and, and as he's learning those, he's going to go from really good to great, one of the greats in the league. So uh, he's fun. I think that if I had one word to use, it's fun. He's fun when he's on the floor. Um, and that's what's most exciting. And, and now I'll get to see him again here uh, tomorrow night. When you look at the rest of the teams and the pieces around Zion Williamson and some of the young guys, of course, Brandon Ingram making his first all-star appearance, Lonzo Ball starting to find his way. You know a lot about Drew Holiday, um, of course, Derek Favors and the young guys in Jackson Hayes. Um, when you look at this team and, and how they're built, and especially, you know, they went through the 13-game losing streak earlier, but are now starting to find their way. I mean, how exciting can this team be when they finally put it all together consistently? Well, I, I'm not so sure I know what the ceiling is. Um, I just know it's better than what I witnessed earlier in the season. Um, and, and Derek Favors is as important to this team right now as anyone. And I've always been a Derek Favors guy. And I told P.J. Carlissimo this yesterday. I said, look, the reason I, I really like Derek and his game is because I know what I'm getting. Um, he doesn't blow you away by any means. But I, I know what I'm going to see from Derek Favors kind of night in and night out. And that's as important a commodity for a coach or a teammate as anything else. And the, the, the difference in the, the way the team plays defense and the way the floor gets spaced at the other end, too, uh, is quite significant when he's on the floor versus off the floor. So I, I think that's important. And then after watching the start of the careers of guys like Ingram and Hart and Ball and all, you know, these guys that came from the Lakers – at first, you know, I wasn't a tremendous fan, but their growth here from basically training camp until now is significant. You know, credit goes to, of course, Fred Vinson and Alvin Gentry. But, but upon those young men themselves and, and what they've done to improve their games, and, uh, and they, they're now starting to complement each other a little bit too. Um, and, of course, they've been working in this new, this new piece in Zion over the last week and a half, two weeks. So I, I think there's... I think there's the makings here of a real strong core and a young one at that. I mean, it's, it's somewhat jarring to look down the list and see the, the ages of some of these players now playing such significant minutes. And, and you know that, that you want them to win now and you're excited about what they're doing here as we head toward the all-star break in the second part of the season. But um, you can't help but wonder what the future is. And in a lot of ways, you know, and, and I'm still a fan. So, um, it's it's frustrating, you know, like yesterday at Houston, but at the same time, you have to keep that mindset of that this is for something a little further down the road. Not that far, but a little further down the road. And so some patience has to be played into your viewing of this team and how they're made up. Absolutely. Well said, Sean. Um, I know you are beginning your preparation for tomorrow's game against the Bucks. I know you're kind of a little ahead of the game as far as the Pelicans since you just had them yesterday, but I'm not sure if you've had Milwaukee yet this season, but even so, 42-7, and seven, another tall task for the Pelicans who eventually will have to get a streak going here if they want to get back in the playoff race. But what have you seen from Milwaukee? If you can try to compare them to last year when they made the Eastern Conference Finals, now having the best record in the NBA at 42-7, and seven, is there any big difference from this year to last year, or is they just kind of going through what they have been doing the last year and a half? No, I think they're better than what I saw last year, and I've got them several times coming up, so... Um, my work on them, you know, begins today, and and uh, and that's good because I think I'm not only going to see them several times during the regular season, but obviously in the postseason too. I think that what stands out most to me right now, um, 
in just kind of my first blush with them is that they seem to know each other better. They know each other and they know what they are more so than they did last year. I mean, they were very good last year. Don't get me wrong. And, and they arguably have, you know, one of the top two, three players in the NBA in Giannis. So it, it's not like, you know, they're, they've remade something. I just think that the group that they have uh, knows, knows the way that they should go about Coach Bud's way of doing things more so, and there's a confidence that comes with them, and they have complementary pieces too. Again, you know, the Lopez brothers aren't going to be in the All-Star game, but yet that works with the way they play. And Middleton's been outstanding, and, and Giannis uh, can do anything he wants right now, it seems. And, and they're just they're beating the brakes off of people, and so I keep waiting for them to get tested. And, yes, they picked up a loss here and there, but I don't see anything that's, that's hurt them thus far. I think that Toronto presents a challenge for them currently in the East, but otherwise it's hard to argue that they wouldn't be right now considered the best team in the NBA. Yeah, it's crazy. The Raptors have won 11 in a row and are still six and a half back of the Bucks. That just shows how good Milwaukee is. That's Sean Kelly, of course, radio voice of ESPN Radio. He will be at the Smoothie King Center tomorrow night. At 6.30, you won't get there early for Sean Kelly's tribute video, which will air pretty much all throughout the pregame. <laughs> Sean, uh, this was awesome. I'm glad we got to got to do this. I know this is weird doing it from my side here interviewing you, but I really appreciate the time, and I can't wait to catch up with you tomorrow at the SKC. Well, it means a lot that you reached out, and it, it means a lot that I'm able to stay right where I am here in the New Orleans area. And to have a home game tomorrow will uh, will be very special for me, and, and uh, I can't wait to say hello to everyone. And I'll try, I'll try and do what my bosses want me to do and remain objective, but that'll be a challenge uh, just because of my roots here and my long, long, long relationship with the Pelicans. I know the fans here will certainly forgive you. I don't know if your bosses will, but uh, we'll certainly forgive you here, Sean. <laughs> of course, you can follow him at Sean Kelly Live on Twitter as well. Sean, I appreciate the time, my friend. Thank you, Daniel. We'll see you at the arena. There he goes. That's Sean Kelly, radio voice, ESPN Radio Nationally. He will have the call tomorrow between the Pelicans and the Bucks at 6.30 p.m. Central. Yes, I want to remind everyone, it's a 6.30 p.m. start, not 7 o'clock. Again, the NBA this year with some of the TNT matchups and even ESPN, they're trying to get games to start earlier, especially those games on the West Coast. So if you can get the earlier game started, a little early. It certainly works. So the Pelicans and Bucks will tip off at 630. Make sure you're there early. Make sure you're loud because, again, this is a big game for the Pelicans. You know, they're four and a half back of the eight spot, five back in the loss column heading into tonight's actions where both the Grizzlies and the Spurs play. And, of course, you're still behind Portland and Phoenix. So every game matters right now for New Orleans. And if you can get tomorrow night against the best team in the NBA, that would certainly give you some momentum before the Pelicans head back on the road. So, of course, we're looking forward to having Sean on again in my nine seasons. He's been a part of the NBA, the Pelicans broadcast for eight of them. So, Sean's one of my closest friends, and it was great to get his perspective on the Pelicans and also kind of his journey here as he uh, is in his first season full-time with ESPN Radio. The Pelicans will practice today. You can catch all the Pelicans uh, availability for post-practice on pelicans.com and the mobile app. We'll have another podcast for you on Wednesday kind of recapping the Pelicans and Bucks, hopefully a win. And we'll also talk trade deadline. Again, the trade deadline is early this year, February 6th. So you expect a lot of rumors on Twitter in these next few days, and we'll see which ones come to fruition as uh, this should be an interesting time as the Pelicans just two weeks away from the All-Star break, and then you get to see Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker in 
Chicago. Hope you all have a great rest of your Monday. Hope everyone's recovered from a great Super Bowl. And we'll talk to you tomorrow from the Smoothie King Center. For Sean Kelly, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek.